right, hello once again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Drunk Friend Podcast, episode 71. Last week, we were all about the NES. This week, we're doing the SNES. That's right. So I'm Trav. We're joined by Alex. We're splitting the difference here. We got the NES and the SNES. It's, it's a bit... Damn it's, straight. It's been it's a good month. time. It's been a good month. Yeah. It's been a great month. I like this formula we got going, where we get these guys that spend an ungodly amount of time yeah. on these games. Like, we, we talk about uh, uh, Kelsey Polnick last week, who spent a good amount of however many years. Ten years. Ten years, yeah. he said. Yeah. Now we've got uh, our our friend uh, who is, uh, his name is Jeremiah, and he runs uh, SNESRankings.com, and he is ranking every North American release of uh, every Super Nintendo game. And uh, it is uh, a daunting, I, I think that's more daunting of a task than NES, because those NES games, some of them are over and done with. You got your championship pool, granted. Sure, sure, but, yeah. Uh, hey, no argument but here. SNES... <laughs> no argument here. I think that's it's fair. A, yeah, it's you, you got more hours there. More so, hours so, there yeah. for sure. And and again, Kelsey just did the licensed one, so there was uh, you know fifty or so yep. fewer. Uh, but hey, it's both. We're comparing basically like uh, Carl Lewis to Michael Johnson. Like we're we're comparing Olympians to one another. And oh, great comparison! Pulling that from, I gotta shake the cobwebs. Michael Johnson. Hey, doing, wow, doing what that was '96 Atlanta, right? Sure was. Yeah, I think you got a gold in 2002. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, but uh, oh wow, but yeah, we. I mean, we. Had, it's basically who we're talking to are retro gaming Olympians. That's that's the people that we're bringing right. in here. And it's been great because I think that these are folks that uh, you know we're, we're looking through the library. We're interested in what uh, you know what's cooking down in that deep down in that NES and SNES stew pot of games. And we've been bringing them out and showing them off and stuff, but we've not really committed to the like seeing all of it kind of ordeal like these guys have. And I think that that is a, a commendable thing that I only wish I had uh, the time and patience for. So hey. So coming up later, we got uh, hey. Jeremiah, a.k.a. Reed Rothschild, a.k.a. Brock Landers, a.k.a. SNESRankings.com. He's got a lot of K.A.'s going on. but uh. <laughs> Yeah, and, and in, in the meantime, uh, we're looking at uh, a video that you put out uh, the other day, uh, what you described as one of the best games on the NES on Twitter, and that would be Dragon's Lair. <laughs> yeah, a little clickbait. Um, it didn't work, but... <laughs> it is. It's one of the best games. Did you really think that would work? <laughs> it's definitely one of the best games to riff on because I think yeah. a, a lot of times when you really hate on a game, there's always some defender in the woods. Somebody always runs out with their <laughs> wooden shield and their helmet on backwards, and they're like, "No, it's not that bad. I grew up with it. It's my favorite game. My grandma got it for me. I, yeah." <laughs> and then the pic, the picture you painted there is great. By the way. Yeah, I can, I can totally see. That. <laughs> I mean, I see those guys in your comments all the time, just running out, sprinting yeah. right towards you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, running into the wall, face first. Yeah, yeah. But the the pleasure I took with uh, you know crapping on Dragon's Lair, rightfully so. I'm very fair about most of the stuff I talk about. I don't have a lot of yeah. nostalgic allegiance. Uh, no defenders. In fact, more pe- people hated on it harder in the comments <laughs> than I did, uh, which which was uh, hilarious to me. So it's not good. Uh, it's not a good port. A lot of people don't even like the original because it's just not their kind of game, right? It's a quick time event. You're dictating a cartoon, but I admire it for what it is. I think it was a neat attempt at something back in the day, but uh, goddamn, that port is just gross. It is die every few seconds. I would say the death per second in that game is seriously like you're between 1.2 to 2 seconds before you're learning <laughs> to, you know, another thing you have to look out for the next time you get there. Like, it's awful. 
I don't understand what they were going for. Like, were they? They still were apparently trying to go for some sort of cinematic feel with the NES port, and it's yeah. It's, I, I, I did anybody? It's one of those games where it's like, did anybody test this? I don't like think this. So. This isn't working. Like, <laughs> this is freaking terrible. It, but what really struck me was that elevator. Oh, that's fucking where, horseshit. Like, you can't even like jump off it properly without dying. I was so proud I got that footage that I did because you should have seen my <laughs> face when that happened to me in real time when I jumped off the elevator and a split second before I landed off of it, the elevator started moving and I died. And that was like my last life on that run. And I remember I just like had the controller on my lap and just staring at the game over screen for like 30 seconds. Like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> And, you know, picking up my notebook and scrawling deep into the notepad. I'll be able to read this sentence for the next 52 pages. <laughs> I was like, can't jump off the elevator, even if it moves while you're in the fucking air. Like, how can... Why? Amazing. Why? Amazing. It's amazing work by the... Or I guess anti-work by the developers <laughs> to, to, to really, to really, you know, screw that up that badly. Yeah. Um, I will say the original arcade, if I had seen that at the time... That would have blown my fucking mind. No that would have kidding. been un- unbelievable. Like the the la- whole laser disc motif, mm-hmm. uh, Disney style animation, especially like that seventies Disney style, the color palette, yeah. all the bright orange and green and stuff. It's so cool looking. Um, and I got to tell you, there actually was a p- pretty decent port that came after the NES, and it was actually on the Game Boy Color. I saw a comment about that actually, and I'd never seen or heard about this. So is it is it yeah. like the QuickTime event original? Believe it or not, they actually do kind of the sort of the animation scenes, and it's like the QuickTime type stuff and all that. And they they had a team that uh, went out of their way to create these like little animated scenes in between each thing. I th- I think there are still platforming sections. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's still like a lot of like slowness and sluggishness for sure. I don't know if there's as many deaths. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> but um, the but the the fact that they managed to animate most of the original material for the Game Boy Color, yeah, that's, pretty freaking cool. I really need to check that out. I'm I wouldn't be too surprised if it, it were going looks, for like stupid money because it's like a special thing. But that's a good question. I might have to check that. But um, yeah, it it is a. Uh, a uh, horse of a different color, that's for sure. <laughs> Am I getting that uh, I, analogy correct? I, the horses are different colors, so it makes sense to me. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, but it, it's it's unusual. <laughs> what I mean is that it's unusual. But yeah. Now you got me curious. Go, Dragon's Lair. Looks like it goes for about Game 20 Boy bucks. Color. About 20 bucks loose. Which okay. is not too bad. I mean, it's, it's that's not bad. Honestly, worth it if you're saying it's as uh, decent. Well, it's just it's just interesting. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's a really nice piece of work. It's... Uh, here, I might be able to find... Uh, this is terrible listening. We should just move on. Our, our <laughs> guest... I, 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 I've wasted your time enough tonight with uh, going nerding out about the Super Nintendo. No, it's all anyway, good. I, so. I love hearing about the older brother or the younger brother of the um, Nintendo generations. But uh, yeah, so I, I did cover Dragon's Lair and it, it was a very fun video to make, even though it was painful to play through. Those are the fun scripts to write. Sometimes when you're just having a little fun at the expense of a game, that's when you have your most fun. So Yeah, and we talk about that with our guest here where he starts out like uh, as a house of fire going through all these like terrible Super Nintendo games, you know, uh, like Last Action Hero and, 
and uh, Space Ace mm-hmm. and Bill Ambeer Combat Basketball. It's easy to make fun of those games. But once you get into like the real mediocrity of of stuff, it's it, it, you kind of get bogged down. It's not not so fun. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, those are the ones that challenge you the most. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, are we ready for some emails? Sure. All right. Do you, uh, let let me get started. Do you want to get started, or I just sent you a link, by the way, for so you can actually see what oh. that looks like in motion. Let let me have a look at it here live on air. And yeah, that is extremely you- impressive, actually. Holy cow! Yeah. Yeah. This is on the Game Boy Color. That blows my mind a little bit. That is, I know, that's what I said. Uh, wait, I forget what introduced me to this, but it's, I mean, it looks like every frame was like hand-drawn. It really does. Yeah. I don't know if they used like some sort of conversion process or if they really recreated this. Yeah, this is uh, wow, holy from scratch. And it doesn't look like terribly slow. Like I expected it to almost have like the frame rate of like an old printer if it were going to have animations like <laughs> a dot matrix. Yeah, but this looks pretty good. We might this podcast might single handedly drive the price of this game up. Oh, jeez. Oh, uh, uh, never mind. It sucks. <laughs> Let me get it first. We're going to get you. accused of that for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, it looks cool. All right. Well, yeah. Let me take the first half of this big old meaty email we got from John, who uh, he you know he gambled, and we're going to get to how he gambled here, but he gambled with a happy holidays subject line, and he fucking nailed it, John. You're, I mean, we nailed it. He wrote this email in like October. Yeah, and he nailed it. Yeah, we're about a week out, and you, you did great. Uh, he says, uh, um, this seems like, uh, this seems really long. My bad, y'all. And no problem, John. No problem. We'll read the whole thing, word for word. All right, here we go. He says, full disclosure, I started this email on June 11th. June 11th. And <laughs> so, wow. Listen, folks, you better be paying attention. This email is six months in the making. Okay? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, don't know how it took so long, but uh, life uh, finds a way. So I've been listening to Drunk Friend, Polykill, and Tales of the Lesser Medium for a little over a year now, now being October. So we've moved up the timeline. We're at October by the mm-hmm. time he sent the email. He's been cooking this one for a while. Also, I want to stop and say, hey, John, thanks for uh, listening to all the Polymedia shows there. I uh, appreciate that. He goes on. He says, since the start of the pandemic, I've worked alone, but these podcasts have kept me company. I don't know if it's sharing that Virginia life with Trav or Alex's MST3K sensibilities, but it feels like hanging out with other friends I've made throughout the years. I think most recently was me answering Gilbert Gottfried for an inner dialogue voice right before Alex said it. Just some relatable people. (laughs) Who knew we were so relatable? Uh, (laughs) Speaking of relatable, it seems Trav shares an interest in schlocky cinema. If you have Prime Video, check out Superhot 2021 or Deathgasm, maybe it's on Hulu. For more ridiculous metal band names, see second... Oh, for more ridiculous metal band names, and in parentheses he says, see second Very Cool Guy Mike episode. I could ramble off a bunch more, so feel free to ask if you want more suggestions. On that note, check out the YouTuber Good Bad Flicks. If you haven't already, his name is pretty self-explanatory. And then he gets on to the questions, but I wanted to say I do love schlucky cinema, and I haven't, uh, I don't think I've seen either of those movies. So thanks for the recommendations. Deathgasm is such a funny name. That's it really great. is. Yeah. Uh, he goes into the questions. He says, uh, Idle Curiosities. Trav, I know you just switched jobs. In the Stuttering Craig episode, you mentioned quitting your job. Was that purposeful, unconscious, <laughs> or just happenstance? It was released on July 17th, if that helps. Yeah, totally unconscious move. I was just at my desk one day goofing around, uh, preparing notes, actually, for this podcast, and suddenly I just started floating up and out of the building, 
And yeah, then, you just got kicked out. I was in a different job, but no, it was it was on purpose. <laughs> it was a good move uh, for me, uh, especially uh, mentally. I am much less stressed out now, and so uh, I'm enjoying the new See, job. So thanks for asking about it. We're we're all trying to to get to that same, a similar place as you, Trav. So you're you're, <laughs> a, you're <laughs> I need less stress in my life. It helps for sure. Uh, and then he asks me, uh, Alex, what are your favorite Mystery Science Theater 3000 episodes? I got to give it to Werewolf, or as they say in the movie, Warwolf, uh, Soul, <laughs> Soul Taker, and Fugitive Alien 1 and 2. And I got to I gotta give him props for mentioning Soul Taker. That one kind of flies under the radar a little bit because that, that one's really funny. So my answer to this is always uh, any Mystery Science Theater episode from season seven because uh, they were still writing uh, or they were still shooting the movie and making the the Mystery Science Theater movie. And so they only had about seven episodes for season seven. And uh, according to Mike and Kevin, uh, they did not think they were they thought the show was over at that point. They uh, Comedy Central chose not to renew them. They only ordered you know seven episodes. So there's a certain like laid back uh, attitude, and they're laughing at each other's jokes like in the moment. <laughs> they're like riffing. You know, you feel like you know the kind of like uh, camaraderie there. Like there's a certain relaxed atmosphere. I'm talking to, to name some episodes. There's uh, Escape 2000, Death Stalker, Laser Blast is really silly and stupid. They're all like very like 70s, very 80s movies. Escape 2000 is a big favorite of mine just because it's uh, such a bad uh, Escape from New York ripoff. Uh, it's only it's like entirely shot in Italy and it's it's just so cheap and so I love when really cheap movies like really shoot for the moon it's just just terrible so nice. I, I that any any of those episodes are really great oh and uh, I got a shout out to Night of the Blood Beast is another one where every character is somehow named Steve <laughs> I uh I almost forgot the werewolf Werewolf thing. Um, Warwolf. Warwolf. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was funny. You know, I'm going to make a confession here. Um, I've not seen a lot of Mystery Science Theater 3000. That's okay. And so, uh, but I'd like to. So I was thinking maybe yeah. we could, I could orchestrate a watch party. Um, during Ooh. the old Discord, maybe we can ha- hang out. You can give some suggestions for what to what to check out because uh, huh. I feel like this is up my alley and I'm, I'm doing myself a disservice by missing out on all these great conversations. Yeah. I mean, these are really, I mean, you got to understand these are really bad movies. Like, these are just, like, aggressively stupid. I know. I was just accused of loving schlock. So, I mean, I, I'm I'm in there. I'm ready. I think a good one to start with would be, uh, a fun one to start with would either be uh, Space Mutiny, which is, uh, uh, you've probably seen the memes on that one I where think. it's, like, the guy, they, they, they have a million names for the main character he's just a big meathead guy the big mclarge huge yeah s- yeah splint chest hair you know bob johnson or yeah, <laughs> they come up with all sorts of like ridiculous nicknames for him that's a good one to start with or uh final sacrifice where one of the <laughs> it's a very canadian movie no offense to canada but it's <laughs> extremely canadian <laughs> uh where the the accents are all over the place eh ah and uh ah and uh the the main hero's name is uh Zap Rousdower and uh <laughs> he wears a denim jacket the whole movie with white pants white jeans actually he's got a 
great hockey hair, a great mustache. He's like this dumpy looking guy that drives like a piece of crap truck. It's a great movie. It's it's really stupid, but it's great. It's great times. Yeah, Final Sacrifice or Space Mutiny is what I would uh, recommend to start with. Good. Thank you. I'm I'm going right in on. on those two. Thanks so much. Yeah. So I'll I'll keep going here. More selfishly, the email continues. Inspired by a polykill episode, gone John Cunton. Jane Cunton. I'm sorry. Sorry. Come on. <laughs> oh well, yeah, I you know I know how you go junk hunting sometimes, <laughs> well, but gone Jane Cunton. I'm gathering some I'm gathering together some lovable and not so lovable jank games to stream or maybe even make videos on. Hitting my prime video game time with the PS2, there was plenty of jank to be had, and I learned to love it. That's true. There is plenty of jank. PS2 is like prime jank. Yeah, for sure. A little Stockholm Syndrome as an adult, maybe? Yeah. Stockholm Syndrome comes up a lot in this episode, actually. Yeah, at least like six or seven times. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, how would you distinguish jank versus bad, and what are some of the fa- what are some of your favorite games with the jankness, preferably from your quote unquote respective systems, mm. but they can be from any console. For example, I'll be starting with oh god, uh, Bujin guy, Bujin guy, I think, uh, the Forsaken City, uh, also Castlevania Lament of Innocence, Nanobreaker from the PS2 era, and then Dark Sector and Castlevania Lords of Shadow. Too. Boy, I hear the really bad things about those Lords of Shadow games. Oh, yeah. Which which makes me sad, because I really like Castlevania, but uh, yeah. And then he says, y'all seem wonderful. Keep it up. Be excellent and stay safe. Bad times, good times. Oh. Thanks for the email. Heck yeah, man. We, re- we appreciate the six-month email there. Yeah, from a fellow Virginian, nonetheless. So, uh, right shout out. Yeah, let's get into some of these janky ones. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I, I hesitate to say, like, most games on the NES are janky, and that was, you know, we were still ironing it out. You know, we're still figuring out right, what was Right, exactly. <laughs> You're, what, 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 what's, I mean, you could make the argument... The spectrum is more murky for jank on the NES. Yeah, I think like so. you could make an argument for uh, for to- something like totally rad yeah. to be jank, but I would disagree with that because I think that game does have a certain level of of polish to it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. You you would know better than me for when it comes to NES jank. Yeah, I mean, most of it, most of them are. I don't know about most, but a good number of them are arcade ports. So. There's a there's jank that's uh, kind of endearing because someone started from scratch and made something that just wasn't quite great, but you saw what they were doing. You're like, that's not bad. But then there's ports where something's janky because some lazy asshole needed to port a game over, and it's like you could have done better because I saw the arcade version was great, like Shinobi and yep. you know some of the other ones. So I don't know. There's two angles to approach it from. It's a it's a great question because there's a fine line. Yeah, there's a really fine line. It's a fine line, and plus, it doesn't help when you see when you talk about arcade ports. When you see, it's like, well, they did Turtles to the arcade game. That's a great port. Like, what, what's what's your problem? Exactly. Like they, Konami Konami did an awesome job with this game. Why couldn't you do an awesome job with this game? Exactly. So there's there's that too. Jank does imply effort. I think um, it's. I think that's what separates it from bad. Because bad is just like you know. We get into a lot of bad games on this episode with our guest, but there, there's, there's games like Pit Fighter. Mm. Uh, there's, there's games, you know, like, uh, 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 like Dragon's Lair for NES, where it's just they didn't care, like it's just bad. Uh, Jank, uh, my go-to example for Jank that came to my mind at first was um, a game called Metal Morph. Um, it's got some cool ideas where there's different game modes 
where uh you you know you're there's side scrolling platforming and then you're flying a ship and you're doing all sorts of stuff you're in space and and then there's also like you can transform into like a T1000 like liquid metal form and you can travel through these pipes and stuff. Oh, that's cool. Like it's it yeah, it sounds cool. That's uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's jank right there where it, it sounds cool and then you play it and it's like okay, that's not that great, but I like the idea. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can dig so, that. Yeah. I I would almost yeah. I almost want to qualify the Star Wars game on the NES as being like Oh, that's a good a call. Yeah. Cuz I think it's a good game. But they they really wanted to put like uh you know uh, you know X wings in there. They wanted to have like flying stages, and they wanted to have all the characters yeah. in there. So it feels like like they tried to do a little bit too much, uh, and it's hard, but it's good. There's some parts that piss you off because it's like there's little difficulty spikes that I think factor into that jankness, where it's like uh, uh, it could have been ironed out a little bit more, fellas. But uh, you know, all in all, yeah. pretty pretty good time. Yeah, in fact, I'll say something a little controversial here. I think uh, uh, the Super Star Wars games have a lot of jank. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Super Nintendo games, uh, the especially the end of Return of the Jedi on Super Nintendo, where you have to f- escape the Death Star. Oh, my God. Dude, that is one of the worst levels on the system. It is so... It is the biggest pain in the ass ever. I can't get <laughs> past the first all- couple levels on any of those games. They're so hard to Oh. Uh, yeah, they oh, well they're hard to everybody. Uh it's it's the combination of just the they made sure to make every terrain uneven. Yeah. So everything <laughs> is always like in steps yeah. and it's so annoying cuz you know, you're used to just like being able to run straight, but then you run straight and you have to jump and then you jump into an enemy because the enemy placement is annoying. And you, yeah, it's just those games are are I, you have to learn to love them for sure. I, I do think the uh, the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi I get are much better than the first one, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's a great question though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I would also throw Rygar in there as just a classic janker. That game's all janked up, but it's decent. Yeah, that's another arcade port too. It's true. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, hey, thanks for the long email there, John. We appreciate it. Hope you're having a good holidays yourself. And we'll move into the next email here. We got one more before you get into the guest section of the show. This one's from our pal Robert from the Classic Gaming Podcast. What's the dumbest argument you've gotten into? He says, by dumbest, I mean not that the argument itself was necessarily pointless, but dumb in the sense that one of you is very obviously wrong. When I was in sixth grade, I got into an argument with my friend who said that no two players in the entire NFL have the same jersey number. This was a guy who watched football weekly, just as I and all of our other friends did at the time. I gave him various examples of players with the same number, and he simply said that I was wrong and that those aren't the right numbers. So then I said, okay, if that was true, there would have to be jersey numbers in the hundreds. And he said, there are. (laughs) I know this email makes it sound like he was trolling, but I can assure you he was 100% serious Rob. Wow, Rob. I'm I'm worried about your friend there. I'm curious to know how he, uh, what he grew up to be, how he's doing now. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Um... You go first. What What is your dumb argument? So the, I, I couldn't think of anything uh, quite like this. Um, it seems like any time I've ever been in an argument where one person was dumber than the other, I either quit or the other person quit and it never got far. But if you remember <laughs> when the whole uh, optical illusion thing about the dress got popularized, it's probably six years ago at this point, but there was like the yes. blue dress or, or gold. I think it was blue or gold. 
Yeah, it was. It was. What is it? Blue and black, or is yeah. it gold and white, or something? Yes, like that, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I saw this post. I think I saw it on Reddit, and I was like, "Man, it's weird. How many people see this as gold and white? They must be so stupid." And um, I told my wife, "I said, come here, look at this," and she's like, "What's going on?" I was like, "Yeah, on here, look at this Reddit post. Like, people are saying that this dress is gold and white when it's clearly." black and blue and she's like it's gold and white and i was like <gasps> are you kidding me are you kidding me witchcraft i was like P- point to where it's white point on it on the screen and i was like no it's not and we it was probably the most heated argument we've gotten into in all of our years <laughs> together and it we weren't fun around each other for like two days after that like we couldn't oh you know because it got memed and it was kind of funny to other people by a certain point but we just it became yeah. just a non it we don't talk about it and then there was another well, then you just start annoying each other yeah. for a while or it's just like how can you possibly exactly like i thought i knew you and you don't even know what the color <laughs> blue is and, <laughs> and but then there was another one there was like a shoe one that some illusion that popped out and uh my wife and i both saw we we're like we're just not going there we're not even going to talk about it yeah <laughs> you know there's the spinning woman the the silhouette mm-hmm. where it's like which which way is she spinning there's there's all sorts of stuff like that out there it's pretty great yeah well don't let it get between you and your uh and your partner let me tell you <laughs> yeah for me i i had a hard time coming up with something i i know uh I remember getting into uh, a certain argument at a bar in St. Paul called Big V's, and it was with some random guy. Never seen him before, never seen him since. And we're just talking baseball, and I'm talking about Joe Nathan. And this is like 2004, 2005, and I'm just wasted. Like I'm, <laughs> I, I think the Twins are playing the Yankees. It's like the regular season. I'm just smashed. And I'm like, listen, man. Joe Nathan would be every bit as good as Mariano Rivera. He just needs the chances. Put him, switch the places on the on the teams. He needs to, he needs the opportunities. And this dude was not having it. Like he was he was looking at me like I was like I had four heads. He 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 like I don't know. I don't know why he kept talking to me, but it, but it was one of those rare moments of. Uh, where you stop yourself like in mid sentence and it's you realize like what the hell am I doing? Yeah. Like what am I talking about? Like why am I arguing on behalf of Joe Nathan against like a guy who is already like an instant Hall of Famer in uh Mariano Rivera, even back in like two thousand four, two thousand five. It's like Mariano Rivera is one of the greatest ever. It's like, no, Joe Nathan, you know, you might be fine, but you're you're not. You're not that. I just remember that, you know, just drunk me being. And I also remember uh, getting into getting into it with uh, this kid uh, in elementary school about Mega Man Three, because um, one of the things uh, that got me into to Mega Man into gaming in general really was this chart that Nintendo Power had, where. Uh, it, I think it was the first time they'd ever done something like this because I'd never, you know, I, I always stole, you know, kids, uh, not stole, but uh, I always, uh, you know, read other kids' uh, Nintendo Power issues mm-hmm. and classified information was like the first section I always went to because that had secrets and power or uh, passwords and all sorts of cool stuff that uh, you couldn't find anywhere else. And uh, one week, uh, or one month rather, it had uh, a chart in, for Mega Man 3 that detailed every boss uh, weapon, uh, the number of hits exactly needed to 
defeat every boss with you know each weapon does that make sense yeah yeah like for example i think it was like i I, I, top man's weapon in uh in Mega Man 3 i forget who it is exactly but it only takes four hits to defeat a certain other boss and this kid couldn't believe this he's like that's (laughs) not what that means and i'm just like it says right there like it's it says it takes four hits that must be right like and I remember actually going to pl- uh, to my friend Tim's house and playing this and and doing that and it wasn't until later I think but I remember this kid was just like so defiant it's like there's no way four hits are you serious there's no way <laughs> you know you know kids are but yeah I, I just remember that kid's attitude like no it's not what it is well what does it mean then it says four yeah seriously the, the cross section the two columns meet at, at where it says four what else could it mean. Oh man, I yeah. I dodged every video game argument on the playground as a kid, so that's <laughs> that's good good for me because I really didn't know anything. But you know, you re- your Joe Nathan story reminded me that whenever I get a few drinks in, I just admire every everybody <laughs> that comes into my head. I, so <laughs> you're the opposite of a mean drunk. You're like the yeah. you're, you're the laughing drunk that like. You're, you're everybody's best friend. Yeah, if Joe Nathan had popped into my head, I'd be like, that guy's, I mean, isn't he great? <laughs> like, I remember one time I was in a bar, You kind of, it didn't lead to an argument, but I remember just talking about James Spader for like 30 straight minutes. <laughs> I mean, he's so good. He's, people don't respect Stargate, and he's great, and no one really talks about him. He's good in Blacklist. Nobody's watching it. He's really good. He does a lot of fun things with his mouth. He's fun to watch on screen. He's good. I really like him. I think he doesn't get enough you know, credit. <laughs> You, you could have given me about 10,000 guesses as to who you'd be advocating for, and, and they would not one of those guesses would have been James Spader. He's great. He's great. I don't know. I'm not even... Yeah, I mean, he is great, but... Uh, and I did love Stargate, the Stargate movie. Stargate's uh, great. With Kurt Russell. That was, that, was a, that was a really fun time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was great, but uh, uh, James Spader. Wow. What a pull. Yeah. Yeah, well, James Spader, Carl Lewis, Michael... I'm all over it tonight. Carl Lewis, that's right. Michael Johnson. Yeah. Like, when's the last time I thought about Michael? It might have been 1996 was might have been the last time I thought about Michael Johnson. Jeez. Well, as we know, I, I did my 1996 deep dive uh, less than a year ago, oh, so I, okay. I covered the Olympics thoroughly. I can name them all. Carrie Strug, yeah. you want to talk about her? We got it. I talk about yeah, that. Oh, we got her. Uh, all right. Well, hey, everyone, speaking of uh, Olympians, we bought it full circle. We're going to be talking to our Super Nintendo Olympian coming up. We got our pal, Jeremiah from SNESRankings.com, and he's going to go through, he's going to talk about the good ones, he's going to talk about the bad ones, he's going to talk about how this big old list comes together, so you're going to want to stick around and check that out. Hi everybody, this is Steve from the Polykill Podcast. Are you ever sitting up late at night, wondering how your life got to this point? How you ever managed to amass so many great games, but finish so few of them? Us too. So join me and Trav as we talk about what we're playing, what we're beating, and what our community managed to beat as well. Check us out wherever you find podcasts or at polymedianetwork.com. And don't forget to hashtag just beat it. All right, Jeremiah, a.k.a. Reed Rothschild of SNESRankings.com. Thanks for coming on, man. We got a lot of questions for you about all of these SNES games. I know Alex is super duper excited, so thanks again for stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. 
Yeah, I got a bone to pick with you about some of your <laughs> rankings. No, I'm, t- I'm totally kidding. Yeah, you got balls 3D way too low, man. What's going on with that? Sweet game. It's got balls in it. It's got tons of 3D. Bill Ambeer combat basketball too too high. Way too high. You Can't know, have you that guys are there. joking, but I have gotten angry emails about everything from All right. and to oh. check food to... Well, not balls. Everyone hates balls, but yeah, Lord of the Rings. Sure, that sure. game has its fans. So, nice. Are are there games where you get like more common mail about more comments? Oh yeah, oh yeah. The wrestling games, always the wrestling mm. games. <laughs> People love those games. We're a tight uh, Alex. Yeah, the wrestling <laughs> games. Those are a big one. Shaq Fu surprisingly has its fans. Um, the Mortal Kombat. I do maintain that Shaq Fu isn't that bad. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think it, it could be worse, especially when it comes to other 16-bit fighting games. I think the sprite works cool. I mean, it's got that going for it. I, I realize that, like, especially with fighting games, like, I am just, like, my brain, just, it can't do fighting games. Like, there's some part of my way I play games and try to process things is, like, I just, I can't get into fighting games. Like, I can't get into the mechanics. I can't understand how to be good at them. So I feel like that comes across in the rankings a bit. Like, every single fighting game is probably, like, between 100 to 200 spots lower than most people are going to have it. You must hate Weapon Lord the most, then, because that game is the most convoluted fighting system ever. (laughs) Well, actually, that game, just, I'm so bad at it. At that point, I just respect it for making me feel so bad about myself. So I actually had that one pretty high. That was in my. That was in the two hundred. Uh, hats off but, to Weapon Lord for making me like feel that. bad about myself. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that might be the one game in the library where I am like completely incapable of even getting past like the first guy. I don't think I've ever beat the first opponent in that game. If I have, it's like maybe once or twice. Yeah, that's that game is not user friendly. As it's it's like the opposite of a pick up and play style game. For those that don't know, Weapon Lord, it's it's the type of game where I think, oh, it's been a few years since I played it, but I think you have to like hold a direction and then put do the button input or something like, or you hold a button and then do the D pad input. It's something ass backwards like that. Once you get it down, it's it's actually kind of clever. Uh, it's it's a neat way of you know doing something a little different. And I appreciate it for that. And the sprite, the uh, artwork and backgrounds and all the lore to it is is pretty cool. It's got that whole Conan and the Barbarian thing going on for it. But if you're a, if you don't like or you know if if you don't have uh, uh, nice feelings to, <laughs> towards fighting games in general, it's gonna suck. That's just the way it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if anything, I gave it bonus points just because it is so different than every other fighting game I've ever played. Like, you're right. Like, the, yeah. the mechanics are, like, completely reversed, which is good and making it unique. But, yeah, you got to be pretty hardcore to, to, be, to get good at that game. And just to catch people up in case they don't know, like, we just kind of jumped in the middle of yelling about your rankings. But um, <laughs> can you describe a little bit about your website and the project that you have going on there? Yeah, yeah. So the full story is... Once upon a time, I was a, a Nintendo Age user, um, you know, just like uh, Kelsey, uh, Crabmaster, you guys had last week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like every other sick person on that site, I was hoarding video <laughs> games, um, building a full Super Nintendo site or set. And uh, 
I'm also, you know, I'm a big collector, but I'm also a big gamer. Like, I've got thousands upon thousands of games on my shelves, but I still try to play them. Like, I, I try to play video games, like, every single day. So, I was, you know, hoarding these Super Nintendo carts and trying to actually play them all. And at some point, it dawned on me, or I had this bright idea that I should start, like, hey, keeping track of which ones are good, which ones are great, what are, you know, what are the horrible ones. Um, you know, because at that point, this is, like, maybe, like, 2008, 2009. Like, that, at that point, you know, on the internet, you know, the only thing we had to go by was, like, game facts, user reviews, and angry video game nerd videos. Like, that's where we mm-hmm. got <laughs> That's right. where we got our awareness of, like... Pretty was, much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... I, yeah, I just started putting together this list and a spreadsheet. And uh, I, I don't know. At some point in my mind, I was like, you know what would be a, an awesome idea is like, hey, I should rank every one of these. I should, And then at some point, I had a brilliant idea. Hey, I should write about them all too, which in hindsight was like committing myself to a million miserable hours. But <laughs> at the time, it seemed like a good idea. So, yeah, from well, about not 2008 – Oh, I was good. Just going to ask, like, how long has it taken you? And uh, what, you know, like, why Super Nintendo? Why, why'd you pick that? Yeah. So I probably, I, I have Super Nintendo games from my childhood. So that's a big part of it. This, this is like the first system I had as a kid, you know, Christmas in 93. I never got an NES. I asked for an NES every year for Christmas. I had two like grad student parents that were divorced. So we had no money. So I never got the NES. Um, but Christmas of, uh, 93, they somehow managed to scrape together enough money to get me the, the SNES and a few games. So that was, you know, that was the first console. So the why, I mean, that's a big part of it. Like the nostalgia. Sure. Um, you know, I've, I've played games continuously for less, well, 93 was that 28 years ago. So I've played games for 20 years straight. No, never stopped. I've never really taken a break from it. Right. Um, so, you know, you kind of, you have like your, I'd say most people are probably have an attachment to whatever their first console was. So, you know, I've played a lot of PS1, I've collected PS1, PS2, GameCube, you know, 360, every, everything. But, uh, when, I'm not going to call it like the midlife crisis, but <laughs> like 2008, <laughs> I had some sort of existential crisis and sold off most of my stuff, you know, all my, I see my music collection, my DVDs, all my PS1 games, PS2 games. And I couldn't bring myself to get rid of the Super Nintendo games. That was the one thing I held on to. Hmm. And, uh, I had been kind of accumulating them up until that point. You know, you'd find them in the wild back then. And, you know, in the two thousands, video games were like relatively worthless. Like you could find Super Nintendo games for a couple bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, the most valuable games, you know, Earthbound, Chrono Trigger, they, they might have been, what, 50 bucks back then? I don't really remember, but, like, way different scene than nowadays. Yep. So I kind of would pick them up as I found them. Um, in 2000, when I kind of unloaded, or 2008, when I kind of unloaded everything, um, I couldn't get rid of the Super Nintendo games. And then I, at some point I ran across, and I can tell you exactly what I ran across, I was in a used game store and I found uh, Cybernator, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, uh, Darius Twin, and Super R-Type. And they're like four bucks each or something. They're cheap. Sheesh. And like some, some light bulb clicked in my head. I was like, I should just buy all of the Super Nintendo games. <laughs> <laughs> that seemed like a good idea. And, you know, because at that point I was out of college. I had a career. I had a, a pretty nice job. 
I had more money. You know, I had no money growing up. I had no money in college like most people. Um, all of a sudden, I've got this career, and I'm like this single guy in his 20s who's, you know, paying rent for some shitty apartment. So I'm like, hey, I have all this money. I should just buy all these video games. That's how it starts. So I started putting together. Yeah. So I started putting together this huge collection. And, uh, yeah, um, it just <laughs> it just sort of snowballed. So, yeah, to answer your why, um, nostalgia plus, I don't know, more money than I had sense to save, I guess. <laughs> it sounds like you were just taking advantage of uh, what was available at the time for, for cheap, because I remember those days in the mid-2000s. I remember getting Castle, Super Castlevania Four like, complete in the box for, like, 18 bucks or something like that. And I was I was really psyched to have a manual in color that wasn't, like, <laughs> photocopied. All right. I was like, dang. And those days are so long gone. In fact, uh, as proof of that, I remember uh, right when the bubble started to really take off, um, in one of one of the SNES drunk videos, I talk about, um, yeah, you know, everybody loves Mega Man X, but if you can snag Mega Man X2 for th- like 30 bucks or so, you should get that one instead. There's, there's a lot <laughs> more you can do. It's like, and I think that was like, yeah, six years ago at this point or seven Jeez. years ago. You might get that for like 130 now if you if you settle for buy it now. <laughs> yeah, I know something it's, like that. It's yeah, I think it's you're absurd. about spot on there. Yeah, yeah, that's it's crazy. it's ridiculous. But that's about you know I, I I don't think I even paid 20 bucks for a Mega Man X2. Granted, I only have the cartridge, but um, yeah, it sounds like you just uh, did a good job like taking advantage of uh, what was available, getting them deals as. And Trav, Trav is is all about that. He is uh, he is dug in right now. He is at the edge of his seat because he loves a good deal. Oh well, yeah, I mean like uh, like Jeremiah was saying here, like the sickness. It's like uh, you know the Nintendo Age site, which is now uh, Video Games Age, uh, is just full of people, uh, you know, like uh, like us that are just anytime we go to like a flea market or any type of convention, we just got like there's something about our eyes that can spot that shade of gray from about 200 yards <laughs> out, and we know exactly you know where to find it and how to get to it. We can sniff it out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's fun to do. It's less fun over the last couple of years, but what you don't, you, you don't want to pay like six months of mortgage payments for freaking little man. Samson. I remember at one point and, and Jeremiah could probably attest to this. It was, I felt like there was like one, like solid, like seven year period there where everything kind of, it wasn't, everything was kind of climbing, but everything was within like a predictable range where I felt like I could name the price of like every NES and SNES game, like, immediately like if you ask me i'd be yeah. like that's that's like a 35 dollar game right there that's if you a ask me point. now yeah. there's no way i would know i'm like ah, i have no idea <laughs> wouldn't even try oh, yeah i i completely agree yeah i used to this same spreadsheet where i was tracking everything i used to track the prices because you know back then it, you're right everything is so much cheaper i mm-hmm. could probably name how much every game is worth and it's the only way i really could pull off a, a full set like I have right now is paying those old prices. Whereas, uh, yeah, sometime earlier this year, I checked in for the first time in a couple of years and the first time post COVID and stuff mm-hmm. that used to be 40 bucks is like $180. Now, you know, Hagane yeah. is like, a you know, 1000 to $1,500 cart. Now it's, yeah, it's insane. It, it's getting to the point where it's like, <laughs> At one point, can I reasonably like keep all these cards? Like, at one point, do yeah. I owe it to my family to start thinking yeah. about unloading this stuff? 
I mean, I remember when uh, there was just a handful of games above 100 bucks for Super Nintendo, and it was like gimmicky stuff, like that Speed Racer mountain bike yeah. hybrid game, and like the the weekend competition games for Star Fox and uh, Donkey Kong Country, and then you'd have like Final Fight Guy and Hagane, and like that was it. And then and now all of a sudden there's like how many games are worth more than a hundred bucks now? Like freaking Robotrek goes for a hundred bucks. Like are you freaking serious? Like ugh, it's, it's nauseating. Yeah. But yeah, we could go on about this all day. Uh, we could talk economics all you want. Yeah, <laughs> we wanted to know uh, uh, Jeremiah your process for doing this. Uh, like everything from the order that you play the games. Uh, the time that you give each game, uh, how you slot it in the rankings, how much stuff has moved around over this time as you've been doing this. Uh, just give us some insight as to how how you rank, uh, how you take on like such a huge number of games and then manage to rank them. Yeah. So the the the, the short answer is you, you just spend years doing it. Uh, <laughs> I started the thing in two thousand eight, roughly, and I don't think I put up the first batch of games until like 2017. So I played the games for nine years before I even got started. Damn. Yeah. So in the beginning, I just, I had my collection in the spreadsheet and I just started, uh, I put together another tab where I'm like, I'm just going to start like slotting these like best to worst. And, you know, up front, I just basically put everything in there and just kind of like estimated where I think things might end up being. And I was way off on like many games. Um, hmm, interesting. Because yeah, back then, yeah, it, it was hard to really get a sense of like what the internet thought of games because there there is no opinion on the internet. Like I don't, there's no, there's nothing out there on what people think about time tracks or time slip or the mask or you know, half the games. You know, there's just nothing out there because people generally focus on the you know the top twenty percent popular games. So yeah. in the beginning, I just had to play them and figure out for myself. So I just spent years um, trying to play every game enough to get like a like a a fair, you know, sizing it up in like a fair way. It's like there's a lot of guys out on the internet who have like reviewed quote unquote an entire library. You know, there's a there's that guy who did the NES library and he basically played each one for you know an hour or two and gave it a, a grade. I'm trying to think of the name of this. It was like. I want to say Nesticle, but that's not right. That's like the name of the emulator. Yeah, Nesticle's the emulator, the legendary emulator. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some like WordPress blog that some guy did. And yeah, he, he did every game in some the GeoCities site or something. <laughs> yeah, he um, and you know, he did the reasonable thing, which is he you know played every game for an hour or two, and that you know would take seven hundred to fifteen hundred hours, which was like an enormous undertaking. Um, but I wasn't going to be satisfied with that. Like I I couldn't play a koei game for one hour and give it like a fair assessment like that's just not possible right yeah. right and i can't i can't play a jrpg for an hour and give it a fair assessment so i, I basically just bit the bullet and played this shit for the nine years a lot of late nights i mean not to make it sound like a total chore because like i said i'm a gamer so i enjoyed this for the most part <laughs> you know unless i was playing like dance the menace all night but <laughs> yeah <laughs> home improvements Right. tool pursuit. Yeah. yeah. So I, just putting in years and years of lots of late nights, just just getting through the games. And then when I finally got to the point where I played all of them, then I, I basically, you know, as I play something, I'd rearrange the, the rankings. You know, if I had something slotted here, I'd go play and be like, whoa, I like, whoa, I, 
way overestimated that game. Um, so around 2017 or so, I finally had everything in a rough spot from playing them all and playing through yeah. a number of them. Um, uh, you know, by now I've, I've actually beaten like 420 ish of them out of the 717. Yeah. I was going to say that's more than half. Yeah. And by that point I'd probably be maybe 300 of them. So I've continued to try and like finish games off as I, um, go through the writing. Yeah, so I got all the preliminary uh, rankings, and then I, you know, focused on like, okay, what are the like absolute seventeen worst games? <laughs> and uh, so then I had to go back and like replay the worst hundred games and kind of like finalize, yeah. like, you know, oh, do I hate Jam it more than I hate Barkley Shut Up and Jam? Or do I hate you know some other basketball game more? It's a delight just to hear those names again and to to talk <laughs> or, to somebody that like knows these games. <laughs> right. You know, it's they're so yeah. dumb. It's not that they're they're bad. They're just so dumb. Like jam it, like they were serious with that title. Jam it. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like ugh. But um, did you manage to finish any Koei games? Uh, yeah, actually, quite a few. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> more than one. Yeah, like I said, lots of late nights. Um, <laughs> just going through the list, like Operation Europe. I, that no, what was the first one? I did. Nobunaga's Ambition. That was the first one I did. And I was pretty proud of myself for doing that one. Like, I even made a thread on Nintendo Age, which I was like, hey, everyone, look, here's video proof or picture proof that I beat a Koei game. And, like, yeah, that's one of the easier ones. And, yeah, I totally, like, read the manual and, like, read the online guides and, like, save scummed my way through it. But it's like, I got to the end. I got the credits. Like, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's all that matters. You know, anytime anybody mentions uh, Nobunaga's Ambition, I, I always smile because it brings back a really funny memory. I'm pretty sure I've I talked about this on the podcast before. But um, this is way back in the early 2000s. Uh, I, I was probably still in tech school or something like that. But um, I was uh, game hunting. I was looking around for stuff. And they had Nobunaga's Ambition uh, complete in the box, like underneath the glass and stuff. And it was like, uh, I think it was between 30 and 40 bucks or something like that. And I was I had never heard of this game. I'd never seen it before. Uh, I'd never seen it for sale or for rent or anything. So I had to ask about it. But I didn't know how to pronounce the name. I'm like, hey, what is that uh, Noah Bunga's Ambition? <laughs> and I got the biggest, like, well, actually, that's pronounced Yobunaga and like the biggest fucking eye roll you have ever seen in your life. Oh, he thought it was a Ninja Turtle spinoff, man. I love oh, it. Oh my god, this dude was uh, <laughs> this dude was like a uh, classic comic book guy attitude mm -hmm. and uh, I'll never forget that because just the look on his face was hysterically funny to me, but yeah, so Noah Bunga's ambition is how I how I Oh, I totally I internally to thought of it as Noah Bunga's <laughs> ambition until the same thing. A game store guy was like, "Oh, you're buying Nobunaga." So I'm like, "That's not how you say it." And then I looked at him like, "Oh, he's right." <laughs> Noah Bunga. It does feel like that. It's like the uh, the anti Ninja Turtles, the the Dark Turtles would would say that as their rally cry. <laughs> The uh, the rankings obviously very cool. I I spent a lot of time looking through this before you came on, but I don't want to like short sell the write ups either because they're extremely entertaining. I mean they they go in a lot of good depth about the game. I get a pretty good feel for everything, but also the sense of humor in there is great. And I love at the end of each one you have a did I beat it, and I can always I can you know it's just a, a nice encapsulated sliver of your emotions toward the game in very few words and yeah, i love it sometimes it's, well it's just an ellipsis where i'm like boy it, yeah I, he didn't like that one 
or you know, <laughs> yeah. did I beat it? You know, and it's just stuff like sometimes uh, I like sometimes I like being able to predict whether or not you know. Look, I I take my time scrolling down, and I I don't want to know, and I want to guess. I want to like make a bet and say like, okay, I think he beat this one. Nope, didn't beat this one. And then I'm sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised, like wow. You took the time to beat Home Improvement Power Tool Pursuit. Okay, I don't know why yeah. any sane person would do that, but <laughs> hey, the rankings are the rankings. Exactly. I think one of my favorite ones was uh, under "Did I beat it?" and you were like, "Yeah," which means I found a button exploit and pushed the hell out of it. So just like complete honesty, <laughs> I cheese my way through this. It's a bad game. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a lot of games actually. Yeah. No, you're you're reminding me. I feel like I used to be a, a lot more creative about that <laughs> that little bullet point back in the bad games. Maybe I should go back to that. It's easier to do that with bad games. You give it the old mystery yeah. science theater treatment, like uh, like games like Race Driving. You know, it's like <laughs> that game is truly trash. Like that is the most half-assed port. It has no business being on Super Nintendo. No business being published. But uh, I remember you had something pretty funny to say about that one too. So good old Race Driving. Yeah, driving. I uh, I want to say those probably the those are the most fun ones to write for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember because Alex, you did. You did a, was it race driving? Was that one of your like comedic videos where it's just like, you're like, is it worth yes. playing? And yeah. You say, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't remember if you did that after me or before, but that sort of thing definitely inspired me for my own sort of like <laughs> field reviews. Well, yeah, I, I had been, I thought it was fun. I, so some backstory to that. Um, I, uh, had been saving comments, uh, complaining about my intro, um, which is just me just literally saying SNES drunk in a Barney Gumble voice layered three times. It's three seconds long and people still find a way to complain about it. And uh, so I, I thought this was funny. So I just uh, kept uh, copying, pasting comments for like two years and just uh, <laughs> and, and eventually I just like strung about a hundred of them together. I threw in a couple like weird, bizarre manifestos in there too, just for fun. But um yeah, and so I was just like, it would be funny if I uh, just uh, did one long video and just scrolled all these comments past as I did the intro for a really bad game, and then the review is just like, no, this ain't worth playing. Are you freaking kidding me? Okay, bye. <laughs> and then that's it. <laughs> yeah, those are like the most fun reviews to write for me. Yeah, though, it, it really like is. Completely and I, out there absurd. There are a few uh, games that uh, I still have not touched Ultraman. Uh, that's one. You said you got some emails on Ultraman. What's with that? What are people emailing you about Ultraman for? People who grew up with the game and grew up <sighs> watching the show and insist it's not quote that bad. And it's like, yeah, yes, it is. Like, I'm sorry, I'm shitting <laughs> on your childhood, but it's not a good game objectively in any way. What you see when I go to bat for Shaq Fu, I'm thinking about stuff like Ultraman. It's it's amazingly bad. It's it's in the uh top three worst fighters it's yeah i would put it worse than street combat and you know crap like that that's just like what am i even doing that's uh it's it's good to see people sticking up for you know their uh <laughs> people that passionate for you know bad games like that especially uh ultraman but um yeah i did want to ask you though you, you earlier you mentioned time tracks and time slip and those games are like complete like middle of the pack mediocre for me especially when you take a look at the super nintendo catalog as a whole have you learned through this project to like appreciate the average game 
because not everything can be as good as Mega Man X or Contra or any of like the top tier, like, you know, quote unquote, triple A titles. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, I would say, you know, there's 717 games and I would say my like general tone actually starts to get fairly positive once I crack 400. So we're talking 400 games where I'm like, this is on like the right side of the bell curve. And yeah, the average gamer is going to be like, no, there's like maybe 100, 200 Super Nintendo games worth playing. The rest are garbage. And I'm like, no, man, I can enjoy 400 games on this library. So yeah, I don't know if that's like too. some sort of Stockholm syndrome, because like you're saying, <laughs> I'm like getting into these games that are, you know, like mediocre by definition because they're in the middle of the rankings. But yeah, I'm looking at Realm right here. I got it right next to the Untouchables, Super Strike Eagle, and even the... Uh, I got next to Legend, Power Instinct. I mean, I wouldn't say any of those are bad games. <laughs> I enjoyed my time That's with them. Super I mean, generic game. <laughs> yeah, right. Legend is like is yeah, literally as painfully mediocre and like by the books and like has no identity as it gets. But it, I can't say I didn't enjoy my time with it. See, and then there's like two different sides of that coin where there's like, okay, this is super generic, but it's still like not that bad. Like I think of games like Smart Ball. Like, when I first played that, I'm like, hey, you know what? This is completely, you know, not that great, but it's also not that bad either. It's, just, it's kind of a pleasant surprise. It's like, you know, it might be, you know, generic as hell and mediocre, but it's it actually, you know, the controls, the level design is a little weird. Like, it has that, I remember it has that moon level, which is kind of interesting. And the music was pretty good. It's like you learn to appreciate that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I understand what you mean by the the whole Stockholm syndrome thing because it does make you feel like after a while, like, am I too nice to these games? <laughs> <laughs> like this feels weird. But uh, yeah, no, that's good to hear though because I'm on that same wavelength. I was gonna say I think it makes sense, and I think we heard a little bit from uh, the same thing from Kelsey uh, last week. And that I think if once you have played so many and you have a particular taste, in, in Jeremiah's case, it's the 16-bit Super Nintendo, Kelsey, the 8-bit NES. But once you kind of have that flavor nailed down, you know the good and the bad, it's easier, I think, to put it in perspective. Where I think the casual gamer, they're, they're not playing uh, the full range, right? And so to them... If it ain't good, it's bad. You know, if it ain't, you ain't first, you last. And there's no nuance, but exactly. you guys have to have nuance because you, you're just wading through it. You're in the muck. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Right on. Thanks, Trav. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I was trying to get, you don't have Stockholm syndrome, guys. You're okay. You're normal. Okay. I just okay. want to let that's you guys know. That's good to hear. I'm, I'm very happy to, I'm very relieved to hear that. Thank that's, you. Uh, that's all I wanted very, to, re- to get across. Very reassuring. Um, I wanted to jump into, because we brought up Nintendo Age, we brought up Video Game Sage, but there's a campaign over there. Um, it's been going on for years, and uh, I've been a member of that site for a number of years. I don't post a whole lot, but I, I try to contribute um, where where I can. Uh, not as much anymore, but I like the, the completion campaigns. Those are a lot of fun. Um, the NES one, it seems like those guys can, can usually wrap it up at the end of each year. Uh, and maybe the Game Boy folks, but the Super Nintendo folks, and like you know, the more sophisticated the the system gets, the harder it is. Uh, and so you you seem to be leading the charge over there for the for the Super Nintendo, and have for a number of years. What's that uh, campaign been like over the years, and what is it what is it transformed into lately? Yeah, I I, I didn't realize you're on the VGS. That's cool. Um, the yeah, so I took over the. Yeah, so you guys talked about to Kelsey about the NES one. And that's been going on for years. 
Um, I think they started in like 2008, 2009. And yeah, those guys are good. They, I feel like they beat all the games most years. I don't, I don't know if they did it last year, but they might have been like a handful of games away. Um, the Super Nintendo one came along later, and it was initially in the hands of uh, another guy, uh, the Wizard666. I can't remember his name, but he's another NA longtime guy, one of the original guys. You know, that they'd do it, and they'd get to like 200 completions a year, maybe even less than that, out of a library of 717. Whereas, you know, the, the, the NES library of like nearly 700 games would get beat nearly every year. And I took it over just because basically no one else wanted to do it. So this would have been like 2015 or 16, something like that. And I beat 100 of the games that first year myself. And this is, you know, they usually did 200 collectively. So I did 100 that first year. And mostly because I was already working on beating all these games as part of this other project. So right. I just kind of was like, hey, you know, I'm beating these games. Might, might as well like document it here. Um, the next year, I think I beat 150 which is crazy when I say that. Uh, I don't know how I managed to do that. But <laughs> then we, yeah, and then we had uh, a couple other kind of, I'm going to say like heavy hitters like myself. People were just like absurdly dedicated. Um, there's a, a Brazilian member of the site named uh, Bay. Yes. Um, she'd be like 250 or something. Like she's she's incredible. Nuts. Yeah. Yeah. She's like the most talented gamer I've ever met. And th- she participates in a, in a lot of the competitions, right? Like, She's not just. She in the used to. Super now she Super runs Mario. it. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. runs the contest now. She used to compete, but she just destroy everyone. So, right. <laughs> so yeah, we got close with, with all of us kind of collectively working out together. One year we got through like five hundred and fifty-five other games, I think. And it's kind of like how um, Kelsey mentioned last week that um, Scary, the guy who runs the NES contest, he documents all this. I I documented all this. I could figure out you know who beat what every year. So we got to 555, and then the next year we went back down to like 200. Like we, we like all you know banded together and had all this momentum, but you know we fell short. And it's like we couldn't like rally again. Like took everything out of everyone to do that. So I changed it up after that. I said, screw that. We're, it's impossible for us to beat all 717 in a year. We're just gonna see if we can beat all of them once. I think you guys just need the right coach. You guys need to hire Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> bring him and his khakis in there. Uh, have, well, have him no. See, I'm a big 49ers fan. And Harbaugh, 49ers he, fan? Okay. He, he can't seal the deal. He can't seal the deal. I love Harbaugh, <laughs> but that's like the wrong analogy. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Bill Walsh then. We'll bring in Bill. Uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Bill dead Walsh. for yeah. 20 years. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we'll, we'll bring in, uh, what, who's, is there Steve Mariucci? He's still alive. Yeah. Right? The Mooch. Yeah. He's the still Mooch. <laughs> yeah, I think he's a movie coming out. He's in, but Kurt Warner. But anyways, so we got close. We got to we collectively tried to beat all the games once, and I basically included all completions over that entire time frame. So like 2012 to 2018 or whatever year it was, and we got within like five games. Like we beat all of oh. the games, but like five. Yeah, and then what are the Nintendo five? H- Do you know? Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, I don't. I was look, I was trying to find that. I don't actually have it in front of me. It's. I bet it's, it's a Koei like, game. No, no, we had, no. We had one guy, Daniel, who beat every Koei game in the same year. Oh God, bless that guy though, right? Yeah, that is that yeah, is tough. That <laughs> a lot of hours. Yeah, he's he's dedicated. Um, no, it was like it's probably like championship pool and Cal Ripken baseball and like a bases loaded or something. Oh, it was so like championship the game that no pool one, strikes again. There you go. Yeah. 
Wow. Oh yeah. No, I listened I listened to you guys talking to Kelsey about that game. Like everything he said is like so painfully accurate for both versions <laughs> of the game. <laughs> oh it's wow. Totally okay. impossible. Yeah, so we, get, we ended up getting like five away and then Nintendo H died and uh when we moved oh. over to video game Sage, I was like, I'll I I don't have time to do this anymore, so we're just gonna start over from scratch. And it's been sitting there at like two hundred completions over the last two years. So yeah, not a lot of momentum behind that anymore, but it, it was a lot of fun um, to do it. And, uh, yeah, I still run it. I still update it. Yeah, it's not really, like, thriving like the NES one is to this day still. Yeah, it's a, it's a bigger ask, I think. I mean, these games, I mean, most NES games, the skilled gamers in that group can knock most of them out within, what, 15 minutes? And you, there's not that many of those types of games on the SNES, so it's, it's going to be harder to do, but... Um, I hope hopefully the momentum picks up picks back up because I do enjoy following these things and I contribute a little bit at a time. I might get like two games a year in there, but I like to see my name on the board. I'm like, hell yeah, I helped. I did something. <laughs> so that's cool. Ho- hopefully it keeps going. I think before we move on to our listener questions, um, I do want to ask uh, you, Jeremiah, if there's any uh, level in any game or just a part of a game in particular that otherwise kind of ruins an otherwise good game maybe it's like a mechanic or just a certain you know it could be just as simple as like maybe the jump sucks is there anything that sticks out to you that like that yeah yeah i one game jumps immediately into mind it's sparkster um oh uh, i don't know if you guys have played that it's one of those yeah Konami, I, that's one like, that's action. one of the quote-unquote rare cartridges that i own that's what immediately comes to mind because that is an amazing game i love it's going to be in my, like, you know, somewhere in the 40 or 50 mark when I... Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, un- un- yeah, spoiler alert. Um, but the near the end of the game, there's this, like, galactic boxing match when you're, like, in a oh, mech. Yeah. Game. In a mech. <laughs> and it's like, I, I never got past hate that. that so much. Like, it just makes me... Oh, like they tried to do some kind of like Gunberry Goemon type thing, some like Legend of yeah. the Muscle Ninja type stuff, and it just doesn't work. I never got past that. I just stopped there. And I've never yeah to see the whole game. You have to like yeah to see the whole. It's like in true Konami fashion, you have to play through on like hard or very hard to see the full game. And it's like yep. I won't even try to do that because of that fight. Like I can't even like <laughs> I can't play the game for an hour and get to that part and get my ass kicked. Huh. And be like, well, I'm fine with this. <laughs> Man, I have not played that game in a really long time. I really got to revisit that one. Thanks for reminding me of that. So yeah, that's uh, thanks for re re kicking those uh, tires there on the, on that <laughs> anger <laughs> towards the end of that game because I was seriously like, really, you're gonna pull a freaking Legend of the Mystical Ninja on me and completely change the game? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's like other games where I have like the same feeling. Um, but yeah, that's like what immediately pops into mind because it's just right such an abrupt change. All right, I guess we'll take it into the listener questions. Then we have a handful here uh, from folks from SNES Drunk Patreon. Thank you, SNES Drunk Patreon folks. You can thank your own folks, Alex, if you want to. You- hey, thanks. And we got a lot of the <laughs> usual suspects here writing to us. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of a lot of familiar names. So it's really good to hear to hear from you guys. That's right. So first one here is from uh, Nostalgia Factor. He has uh, three questions. First one, favorite Super Scope game? The highest game in my rankings is uh, Metal Combat, so that's my favorite. Um, it, you know, for those who don't know, it's a sequel to Battle Clash. Um, you know, most of the Super Scope games, I feel like, are kind of shallow. Um, 
Yep. But that's the one that has like the, it's, you know, it's basically just a boss rush. Like you're just fighting yep. a series of like robot dudes. And, uh, yeah, it's sweet. No, I love that game. Um, I feel like the fight, the, the fights are pretty epic. I feel like there's a lot of strategies and patterns to learn. Of course, I say all this and I don't actually own a super scope. <laughs> I played through all these on with an emulator. So it's one of those things where I feel like, uh, I might have to eventually invest uh, in the scope and like, actually revisit all these games and see if it changes my opinions. But um, yeah, so Metal Combat is number one. Uh, number two, I would two and three, it's probably pretty close. I'd say Battle Clash and Tin Star. Those are like the three really good ones, I'd say. Yoshi Safari is probably like the close fourth. Tin Star is one that gets forgotten. Yeah, that, the, yeah. that one's got a lot of uh, uh, personality to it. It does, yeah. Um, I, uh, uh, several months back, I did a big binge on, uh, the super scope and I was shocked at how much I enjoyed battle clash and metal combat because I was not expecting anything. And those games have some really cool ass, like boss sprites and pixel art and backgrounds and all that stuff. Um, it was like straight out of the Mega Man universe. It's really cool looking games. So yeah, those I, I'm with you there. Those really took me by surprise. By the way, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, nostalgia f- factor. When he wrote that question, he originally wrote your favorite Super Scope Six games, uh, which uh, I, 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 that's something I do all the time. I, I call it the Super Scope Six instead of just the Super Scope because of the package title is the right, six. Packing game, yeah. six. Yeah, it's, I do that all the time. I still do that. I'm old. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's confusing. It's not. Hey, <laughs> I thought it was called that. I didn't want to admit to it, but I was like, I thought that's what it was called. So I'm realizing <laughs> now that it's not. Uh, Nostalgia Factor follows that one up with uh, a question. I think I think it's going to be pretty easy to answer. But he asks, uh, "Is Hagane really worth the price it commands?" Uh, I mean, in many ways, none of the games are worth like anything. <laughs> You know, I so I also run the the SNES uh, subreddit. Took it over from Drunk once upon a time, actually. And yeah, it's like a common question: Is this game worth it? Is that game worth it? And I mean, in many ways, if you're looking to game, like none of them are worth it. Just buy a flashback and uh, or whatever they call the new flash cartridges, and like just take care of the whole library with two hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, and if you're a collector, I I don't know. It's like what is. <laughs> What is any collectible worth to you? But considering I have a copy of Hagane, and it's like every time I look at it, you know, all, all I can think about is like what I could buy if I sold it. <laughs> or like I could like sink it directly into my mortgage. I think it's telling me it's probably not worth it. In fact, any of my yeah. games that are over, I, sometimes I look at, because, you know, we were talking earlier, like it's crazy how many games are worth over a hundred bucks now. And it's like, yeah. I could take just the games worth over a hundred bucks and like, yeah, just dump it straight into my mortgage or my kids' college funds or something. And yeah, yeah, I mean that might happen, but yeah, I don't know. It's you know, collecting collect what's fun to you, but uh yeah, unless you're crazy enough to go for a full set like myself or travel back in time to when games are more affordable, it's like hard to recommend anyone spend the sort of money these games command. Yeah, waiting for that uh, that bubble to burst that people keep talking about. The mythical bubble. Uh, the last question here he, he asks is, uh, thoughts on wrestling games like uh, WWF Royal Rumble, um, <laughs> Fire Pro Wrestling, Raw, etc. Uh, on the on the Super Nintendo? Yeah. So, 
Uh, yeah, so I cannot stand those WWF games. <laughs> oh. So many people have reminded me. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I don't know. I, it's like my brain just can't like grasp the mechanics, the button mashing, the grappling. Uh, it's like I can't. I just can't find it. Uh, enjoying dude, those games. That's, that's why you need a an ASCII pad so you can put it on turbo. And then you just yeah. hold the button down and then uh, win every lockup and then just like crush yeah. everybody and then do the, <laughs> the macho man's finish, finishing flying elbow smash off the top rope. <laughs> well, I think that's the other problem is I didn't grow up watching wrestling. Like I've yeah. never watched wrestling before. So I that's, like that's the only appeal of those games, honestly. Yeah. For anybody. Right. And it's like, it's not because I consider that stuff beneath me. Like, I love to revel in, like, campy things. Like, I own tons of horror movies. I listen to lots of, like, absurd heavy metal. So, it's like, that's totally something that should be up my alley. It just didn't happen for whatever reason. Yeah. But, yeah, and then, like, uh, there's uh, another uh, NWC. That's a wrestling game. It's on the Nintendo Switch library for some reason. But I can't stand that game either. Camera Lock Wrestling. (laughs) Can't stand that game. The... The arcade WWF, WWF game. Actually, that one's okay because it's so absurd. <laughs> and then, uh, and then there's uh, Saturday Night Slam Masters, and that's actually the only one I like. I, that one's in my top two hundred. Well, at least you can be Hagar from Final Fight. In yeah, that one. <laughs> I mean that's probably a big part of it. I'm just like Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> I see Hagar, and I'm like, I like this game. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never played any of the imports, so I can't comment on uh, Fire Pro Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> right on. I think it's understandable. We got another question, uh, another another trifecta of questions. Uh, this time from a longtime listener, LHC Greg. Greg. Uh, he starts out with, uh, "What's up with Super Turrican being in the top 100?" <laughs> and Greg, he, Greg is on the record for yeah, saying yeah. that he is not a fan of that game. <laughs> yeah, he personally told me this the other day. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So yes. Yeah, uh, not long ago, people were able to deduce what my remaining games were, so kind of spoiled some of the some of the surprises. But yeah, so t- Super Turrican is in my top 100. It's like 96 or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I love those games. I love Turrican games. I bought the Turrican compilations for the Switch. I even got the import compilations. So it's like, I don't know. It's like another childhood nostalgia thing. But, you know, people have their complaints with Super Turrican, and his complaints are valid it's got like a wonky difficulty curve. It's like kind of like a butchered. I, I want to say it's like a butchered port of like some stuff from Turkin two and Turkin three or something. And they just kind of like mashed it together and then like cut out the end of the game. So it's like this super like wonky package overall, but I don't know. I've played through the game. Like I probably five or six times at this point, And I just, I dig it every time I play through it. I like the I like the mechanics. I like the boss fights. Even even the 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 levels are kind of a pain in the ass. Like the train level, like he pointed out. I don't know. I dig that level. Like once you kind of learn the patterns the first time and beat your head against the wall for a, a continue or two, you get over it and it, it's fun. I guess. As I say, I love Super Turrican too. Like that's way high on my list. I think people are going to be surprised where that's at. So Uh-oh. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just a Turrican fanboy or something. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't realize at the time what a mishmash, like just a mash of different stuff Super Turkin was, because I guess I didn't realize uh, the uh, scope of that series at the time when it, when I first played those games. It kind of reminds me of uh, like Hyperstone Heist, the Ninja Turtles for Genesis, where it's like, yeah, here's some stuff from the original arcade game. Here's some stuff from Turtles 3. 
here's like two original levels and the rest is just kind of thrown together. Yeah, it's I, I never realized like the sheer amount of, of stuff like that that exists in the 16-bit era. But um, yeah, I think it's fine. I don't think it's that bad. I don't think Super Turrican's that bad. And Super Turrican 2 is great. It's fun. It's got vehicles. How do you not love like a run and gun where you get to like drive stuff? Yeah, Greg. Right. Yeah. Take that. Yeah, Greg. <laughs> Thanks for being our hype man, Trav. <laughs> just, I'm just trying to help. The next uh, question he's got here is what game placements generated the most controversy? I think you already answered that with the wrestling games. Yeah, you have any others that are uh, notably hate uh, inspiring from people? Uh, yeah, I mean, the wrestling games are the big ones. Um, I had a bunch in the 200s that are super popular games that I knew would, would be way lower than most people would have them. That was like NBA Jam, Maximum Carnage, Mortal Kombat 2 and 3. Um, and those are all understandable. Like I can see why people would love NBA Jam. I, I've got I do game nights at my house, and we bust out NBA Jam a lot because everyone other than me loves it so much. Um, <laughs> and you know, if I was a big comic book guy in the nineties, I would have been all over Maximum Carnage. And if I didn't hate fighting games so much, I'd probably have more nostalgia for Mortal Kombat too. But uh, yeah, I mean, those are games. Uh, you know, I have them in like a positive place. Like I have them in the two hundreds. These are all games I like. I just don't yeah. love them like other people. Um, and then it, just other games like that that you know people have these like childhood attachments to, like the Lion Star King Fox and yeah, Star Fox, Aladdin. I've got F Zero. It's gonna be in the nineties. We'll see if people think that's too low. Um, I well, I know one coming up that's gonna. Be, oh, I've got a couple coming up that are gonna be way lower than people would think they'd be that's uh secret of mana and street fighter 2 yeah wow. street fighter 2 is not in the top 25 so we'll see what people Jeez. say about that so you, are you grouping all the games together are you grouping all the the original street fighter 2 and then street fighter 2 turbo and then super are you doing yeah, anything for those yeah i don't know i i'm going back and forth on it because it's like it makes sense to do turbo and the original together and probably super together it does. but by the time you get to alpha 2 i'm like this is like yeah, if no, you look at that franchise, it's like five games removed from Street Fighter 2. So it's like, yeah. is it really? Yeah. So I haven't really finalized that. They're all in the top 100. I just, I, I don't know where they're going to go yet, but either some of them are going to be grouped together for sure. Okay. Then Greg has his third question. Any games that don't get any t attention they deserve, otherwise known as shiny rocks out of plain sight. Hidden jams. Oh, I said it. I ah! <laughs> I've probably called a bunch of the games Hidden Gems when I wrote them up. And off the top of my head, I don't know which ones I would have said that about. But, I mean, anything in the, like, anything from, like, 150 down that's, like, kind of a lesser-known game. I mean, I guess you could call that Hidden Gem. Like, On the Ball, I've got that coming up in the top 100. I doubt many people have played that or even know what that is. The Mode 7 game where you, like, rotate the screen... Yeah, it's like you know, like the like the wooden labyrinth game where you have to like navigate the marble into the hole. That's like uh, that's what I always think of. And yeah, that's I call that a hidden gem. I know some people hate that it game. Makes me sick though. It, like I, I get <laughs> nauseous playing that game. Yeah, yeah. So I used to run a a, a monthly Super Nintendo contest on Nintendo uh, Nintendo Age. And I did that one month, and half the people were like, I'm out, I can't. <laughs> I, can't <stay. laughs> I don't blame them. Jeez. Yeah, and the other half seemed to love it. So, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, maybe that's the definition of a hidden gem. You know, 
some people love it. Some people don't even know it exists. Just to give the listeners some uh, uh, ideas of, uh, like, wh- I'm looking at your list from 150 SOS, and this is the uh, game where you escape from a sinking ship, like Titanic right. style. That game is legit. That game is really interesting and really, uh, really kind of funny because it's funny to take one of the characters and just sprint towards the end. <laughs> and you get the worst ending, and it's just them, yeah, like right. cr- you know, just like wistfully looking back at the ship, like, "Why did I do that?" Like, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty funny. It's abandoned his wife and child. Yeah, no, I totally agree. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I even say that in the review. I love that game. That's why I have it so high, and it because yeah. it is such a unique experience. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm just looking through them right now. I mean, I've got F1 Rock too. No one's ever heard of that game. I love that game. Um, what is that? I don't. I barely even know what that is. Uh, is that, one oh, of, that's it's like just, a racing game, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a four. It's yeah. It's it's a Formula One game, and it looks like any other. You know, what's the difference between that and pole position, and you know, uh, what Redline Racer? I mean, it just looks like any other racing game. And then you play, and it's like this. I don't want to call it like F Zero, but it's like this very Japanese, like F Zero ish racing game. And I, I love that game. I played that game. I played that game a couple times. Um, and that's one that, yeah, no one would ever even give like a second look otherwise. Yeah. And you got the, the Jetsons game up there. You got, uh, tin, the aforementioned tin star, you got uh, total carnage, the made f- from the smash TV folks, yeah. uh, Artie Lightfoot, which is probably up to like 200 bucks at this point f- loose. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a decent number of the list. I mean, Brandish. I obviously some people, a lot of people have another problem with that game. But that's speaking of games that make you gem. sick, yeah, right. Um, and then yeah, I'll be getting to stuff like Metal Marines eventually. And um, ooh, I like that one a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, Equinox. I like that. It's kind of a lesser known game. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, like anything in my top two hundred that most people haven't heard of, I call a hidden gem, pretty much. Uh, up next, we have uh, Burger Champ, who's always asking questions a little bit outside the box. He says, what entertainment uh, franchise of the 90s should have gotten an SNES game but didn't, and what type of game would it be? Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know why my mind immediately goes to Seinfeld. Maybe that's just like 90s. Because <laughs> I don't know how a Seinfeld game would work at all, so that doesn't make any sense. Maybe like a Harvest Harvest Moon type game with only with <laughs> you play as Jerry. Oh, that'd be kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, um, or it'd be like Clock Tower where you're trying to hide from Mr. Marvel's in your apartment or something. But yeah, <laughs> no. When I was a kid, I really wanted an X Files game. Uh, that was Ooh. a show I watched with my dad, and I yeah, I used to look in Nintendo Power like, are they going to do a? Are they going to do a? Are they going to announce an X Files game? <laughs> that never <laughs> happened, but. I don't, I don't know what sort of genre that would be. You'd probably have to do like some sort of overhead adventure Jurassic Park sort of thing. I don't know. It's some sort of like... Yeah, like a Shadowrun kind of thing? Yeah. No, yeah. Actually, that's even better. Yeah, exactly. Like Shadowrun. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Army of Darkness. Some sort of, <laughs> some sort of like Splatterhouse sort of game or something. That'd be sweet. That'd that be would cool. have been sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Glengarry Glen Ross. Try to get the coffee. <laughs> uh, Baldwin Singer or something. I don't know. <laughs> Always be ABC, always be selling. It's like the password yeah. for the first level or something. <laughs> yeah, multiple endings. You either get the car or the steak knives or you get fired. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, that freaking movie. We got another question from our friend Robert Auguste de Meyer. Uh, what have you learned you wished that everybody else knew? I don't know if he means like in life in general or like <laughs> in terms of like Super Nintendo games. Oh, uh, I wish I knew how long it would take. <laughs> I should have like I should have done the math. Um, <laughs> yeah, That's a good one. I. Yeah, in hindsight, would I have uh, put my wife through this again? I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I, no, no regrets. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm, no, it was. Uh, I'm glad I did it, and mostly because I, I hopefully I produce something that, like you know, random kids ten years from now are gonna like somehow stumble across the internet and be like, "Holy shit, some guy actually yeah, did this!" It's like, a good some reference. Crazy guy did this. Yeah. Uh, next is Paul. He asks. What are the SNES games with the most egregious example of a game not using the shoulder buttons for a useful function? Oh, that's going to be hard because some of these games I've played in like eight years. <laughs> um, I really wish every single action platformer used those buttons so you could like lock your <laughs> direction of fire or lock your body. Like you there guys you know go. what I'm talking about? Yeah. I feel like newer shooters do that. Yeah, I think Sunset Riders might do that. Yeah, I, I can't, you know, off the top of my head like this, I can't think of what games do do it, but I love when you have that ability, and I hate when, like, most Super Nintendo games don't have that. Like, I think most of them don't. Um, let's see. I wish Zelda, does that use the shoulder buttons? I, no, that, I think that game was too early. It should have. I mean, yeah. there is a patch that it's you like, can what, put Okay, the yeah, wrong. the map, like, why you could map your more items to more buttons, you know, yep. dig around the menu. Yeah. Uh, I mean, any game with buried menus, like, I'm sure every Koei game could be like, hey, do you want to see the map? Hit L instead of, like, go <laughs> hit nine oh, buttons God. to find it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, with RPGs, it didn't happen till like I think Earthbound, where it's like you just hit the yeah. L button to talk to somebody instead of going, you know, like to the menu every time. Oh, right? Yeah, right. yeah. I think I didn't figure that out for like the first twenty hours too. I was like, <laughs> when I found that out, I was like, hey, you gotta be kidding me! In football games, that's another one. Football, it should be standard in a football game that you push L or R to like flip the play. Because if like if I want to do sweep right, I should have an option mm. to do sweep left. Like why there not just do that? But yeah, click auto audible. Yeah, that'd have been smart. I wish uh, more platformers did the. I think Tomb Raider did this on the PS One where you could hold in a button and walk Lara up to the edge, and she wouldn't like tip off the edge if you held that button in because it would help you like scooch up. I wish there was a platforming scooch up button you could hold in. That would be a good one for the triggers on platformers. That way you can no, like, that's a good call. Yeah, to the yeah, edge totally. and get a good run and go. Especially yeah. games like Contra. God, so many edge deaths. <laughs> yeah. In that game. Right. So now we've got El Gamer Astral who asks a very general question of what is the most obscure SNES game? Uh I don't know if he means like the most rare because I know Nintendo Age for a while had that rarity guide. Uh, oh yeah, I did that too. <laughs> yeah, I'm the one who you me- yeah you mentioned those. <laughs> you mentioned uh, Metal Marines. That's a game that was like super rare and hard to find. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I mean, there's a lot of obscure games. I mean, I I don't know what the what the most obscure is. I mean, if I just look at the list, Oscar. That's Wiz. I mean, anything from Titus. Any Titus yeah, game. Any, any of those crappy. <laughs> the whole collective yeah. Titus set of games, yeah. Seth asks, any Super Nintendo shmups that can go toe-to-toe with Genesis shmups? 
Well, yeah, probably not. I mean, I haven't played a lot of the, the Genesis shmups. I haven't played Musha. I haven't played uh, Biohazard Battle, even though I own it and I probably should play it. I have Gyrez. I've barely played that. So I, I'm going to say no, but <laughs> that's mostly just going by reputation because I don't know. How um, dare you? It's one of those things where I, uh, <laughs> if, if I ever play the whole Genesis library, then I'll, I'll get back to you. Then I'll have an answer. <laughs> That's what you got to do next, I guess. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> and then last, we have a question from Sean who says, uh, if you know what the longest game is on the Super Nintendo from an objective standpoint, and then what the longest game for you was, what the game you uh, spent the most time on. Yeah. Well, I, the, yeah, I think the answer to both of those is probably Might Magic 3. Um, oh, wow. That's actually not that bad of a game either for on Super yeah, Nintendo. Yeah. Right. I... Uh, I've never beat it. I've I don't know how many hours I've put into it at this point. I was I've been playing it this year. I played tried to play it multiple times. It's a minimum fifty hour game. I don't if you're being if you're doing it without any outside help, it might be a, a hundred hour game. But, Damn. Um, yeah, that's got to be up there because you know, I've played through Ogre Battle. I've played through Tactics Ogre. I, there might be Japanese. There might be Super Famicom games that are longer that I'm not familiar with, but. Yeah, for the like the U.S. or Western library, that's that's got to be it. Like, I, right on. The only thing I can think of that's even close is probably Ochre Battle. That's just getting used to like all the different you know types of troops and all that sort of stuff, and yeah, just understanding what the heck you're supposed to be doing. But yeah, yeah I hear you on that. It's a big ramp up for some of those games for sure. Yeah, I think that that rounds out our uh, listener questions. I wanted to ask when it comes to SNES rankings, you've alluded to you know obviously your top 100 not out yet how often do you unveil the next get, get, get some excitement drummed up for people that uh, might want to go see what's coming next <laughs> um well initially i was getting them out every two or three months <laughs> um i uh I, I was able to get three to four uh, batches so so for a little more background when i started this project it was just threads on nintendo age um it was just this thing i was kind of doing for fun so i just create a thread and be like hey here's 50 games and I do that every two to three months. Um, it, was, it was a lot quicker back then, I guess, because uh, you know it's still fresh and I still having fun and getting creative <laughs> with the reviews. <laughs> uh, the I'm sure you guys can attest. Slowly, yeah. Down. Now, yeah. So here we are, years later, and I've got 100 <laughs> left. And it, I, the last batch went up in like July, and I'm hoping to have the next 50 done by the end of the month. I've got oh wow 40. Yeah, I think I've got 40 out of the 50, like mostly written up. So then I gotta go. I got I got one more game I gotta replay because I haven't played it in so many years. But um, yeah, I gotta finish those ten up. Then I got these guys that volunteer to to look at my <laughs> rambling and try to like make it coherent. So then they'll uh, give me some feedback and some editing, and then I'll go and make those changes. And then I gotta do all the HTML markup. So I'm hoping it's it, it'll definitely be end of the month or sometime in January. And then because it's like the finish line is so close at that point with 50 games left, I'm hoping I can rally and get the last batch turned around in like two, three, four months. But I said that last year or earlier this year, and you know, here we are six months later. So <laughs> yeah, it'll be soon though. Well, we're definitely looking forward, looking to, forward it. to it. Yeah, 100%. All right, man. Well, thanks thanks again for taking the time to hang out with us and um, bestowing all of your Super Nintendo knowledge. I mean... You know, Alex doesn't know enough, and so it's good to have you on to fill in all those gaps. And so we Absolutely. appreciate it. Yeah. 
especially on those WWF games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, it's not often I get to talk about this stuff since my wife is uh, not exactly <laughs> the most willing listener. So, yeah. Right there on. you go. All right, man. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you, guys. All right, everyone. That's been another Drunk Friend Podcast. Hey, guess what? You can reach out to us with questions or comments at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to write happy holidays on it. You never know when we'll get to it. Maybe at Arbor Day. <laughs> and we'll, we we celebrate that here as well. Bastille Day. Mm, Bastille Day. Uh, go to polymedianetwork.com if you want to hear more podcasts from us or our crew. We have tales what of the... What was that accent? Was was that Spanish? I, was that... I don't know. I just... I was feeling... <laughs> were you a, I was feeling were you a pirate? I think I was a pirate. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have tales of the lesser medium. Uh, PD's Power Hour for your beverage-related entertainment. Polykill, if you like listening to me a whole bunch. Uh, Indie Quest, if you like games that fly a little under the radar. And more. Uh, if you're not interested in sending us an email and wishing us happy holidays, uh, you know what? I'm, my feelings are going to be hurt, but that's not a big deal. Just give us a rating and review on a podcast app of your choice, and that'll help us out. Big day. Big day. You can find us all on social media. Well, you can find me and Alex on social media. I'm at Trav Plays Games. Alex is, of course, there at SNES Drunk. Uh, you can find Jeremiah at uh, SNESRankings.com or over on the Video Game Sage Dadcam website. As always, the music you heard at the beginning and can hear right now is composed by our friend Coolor. The track you hear is called Electric Starbounce, and you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page. And a shout out to Josh Leslie for a thirst quenching logo. Be sure to catch us all on YouTube, and thanks for listening. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. Cheers. Cheers.